Welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast, where we discuss weight loss, women's health, and food. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Awad, a family doctor and certified weight loss coach. This podcast is informational, but is not meant as medical advice. Anything you want to change after listening should be discussed with your own doctor and personal medical team. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hello, my vibrant friend. Today we are talking about a hormone that you might need at midlife or beyond that, that you probably are going to want to get from your doctor. This is a special episode because this is one of those things that's basically good women's health, but not a lot of people know about it. And also your regular doctor might not know about it. Your gynecologist may or may not know about it, depending on whether they're very well educated about menopause. Some urologists can help you with it. Some cannot. So there's a little bit of finding a doctor to be on your team who can help you with this. So we have a urologist today, Dr. Rachel Rubin, who will be coming on the episode. And she knows a lot about it. And I trust what she says about it because the studies are there. And the great thing about her, she speaks loudly about it on the internet. So we will enjoy this episode together. I want to tell you, and maybe this has happened to you as well. I remember being about age 50 when I was about to turn and I still had my periods, but I noticed that my urinary system was just kind of going haywire. When I had to go, it felt urgent all the time, even if I didn't have to go a lot. And I had to go frequently. My teenagers just said, is this what happens when you turn 50? This is horrible. Every time we go somewhere, you have to go. And they were right. If I went to the grocery store, I had to go. If we went to somebody's house, as soon as we got there, I had to use the bathroom. Anytime my kids had to go to the bathroom, I would go in with them and go to the bathroom. And like I said, it felt urgent. Now I had some testing, of course. It was not urinary tract infection, the UTI that some people get. But the changes that were going on was putting me at risk of urinary tract infection as I got older. So I'm going to leave it a mystery for one more minute as we start the episode here with Dr. Rachel Rubin. But this is a really important episode, and I hope you will share it with friends and with family because it affects you, it affects your older relatives. And so I can't wait for you to hear what is in the episode today. Hello, my vibrant friend, and thank you for being here today on the podcast. I am thrilled to have Dr. Rachel Rubin with us today. She is a urologist in the D.C. area and a doctor extraordinaire. And if you follow her on social media, you'll you'll know that we're going to talk about vaginal estrogen today because she's she's preaching about it because it's something we all need to know about. I did my medical training in the 90s where um, people had done vaginal estrogen before, but then it was the time of PremPro, where they said everyone needs to be on this medicine. And then there were more studies. And then they said, oh, no, there might be some risk. We've got to take everybody off. And then a lot of the doctors who went through that training time didn't know what to do then. So thankfully, some people are teaching about menopause now. <laughs> and urologists like Dr. Rubin have a lot to teach us about as doctors and as patients you know, what's going on. So thank you for being here today, Dr. Rubin. I am so thrilled to be here. And my gosh, your patients and people listening are so lucky 
it, it's just an honor to be here. Thanks. Please give uh, my audience a little introduction about yourself. Yeah, so I, I am uh, Dr. Rachel Rubin. I am a urologist, but I did a fellowship in something called sexual medicine. And so I do four things, really. I deal with issues of libido, arousal, orgasm, and pain. And so a lot of midlife, perimenopause, and menopause people fall into those categories um, as really wanting help with one of those things. And so I do a lot of menopause care, a lot of hormone therapy, a lot of evidence-based hormone therapy, both systemic, meaning for your whole body, but also local. Um, and I think we're going to talk a lot about local vaginal hormones, which are safe and effective for pretty much everybody. Um, and have the benefit of preventing urinary tract infections, making sex not painful. It's really a miracle product, which we can go into the details. And so because of my training and I do a lot of advocacy and yelling and screaming a lot on social media, I realized that I could help one person in an exam room. And I do. And I spend a lot of time with people, which is why I'm good at what I do. But I could also reach a lot more people by really getting sassy and loud on social media. And so I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I sound like. I just care that people are getting good information. And because of that, we've gotten a huge amount of press and notoriety because my voice really, you can tell that like, wow, she doesn't care that she doesn't have a face for Instagram. She is just excited to like teach people what she knows. What's so cool is I, I hear people saying, oh my gosh, you helped my mom's friend, Dolores, who's been getting UTIs for years. And I sent her your blog post on your website or I sent her your Instagram page and she got from her doctor what she needed and she's doing great. And so it's really social media is an incredible way to just give really good information to a lot of people. Well, I so appreciate what you're doing out there. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I call it preaching, but really you're getting the information. A lot of people just kind of stop and say, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know. So tell us, how do I know if I need vaginal estrogen? If you are a human and you have a vagina, you probably need vaginal estrogen. So, so let's paint the picture for you for a second. So the genitals, the bladder, the, the vulva, the vagina, oh, let's say the pelvis is a very hormone sensitive structure. So I'll give you an example. A baby girl has no hormones, really low hormones or no hormones in her body. She has a an area where there's no labia minora. The opening is red, raw, irritated. She pees her diaper all the time. Diaper cream gets put all over it because it just looks so painful, right? That is a non-hormonal uh, genitalia. Then puberty happens and the body actually morphs and transforms. Baby genitals and grown-up genitals don't look the same. The body grows labia. The tissue becomes pink. It lubricates. It acidifies. It allows for tampons to go in and penises to go in and babies to come out of. And so the, the tissue changes. It morphs because there are a lot of hormone receptors in this tissue, in the bladder, in the urethra, in the genitals themselves, in the pelvic floor. And so you get a, the, the teenagers, they become really horny, right? They get really mean to their mothers and they mm -hmm. also have these high sex drives. And it is a big surge of both estrogen and testosterone, right? A big surge of hormones. I can also come with acne and oily skin and all of those things. And so what happens in perimenopause, even if your periods are still happening, you get a change in hormones. Testosterone starts to fall. Estrogen starts to do some crazy gymnastics, highs and lows. And this tissue, which is very hormone sensitive, can be effective. Add on top of this that we as doctors love and people love to do things to screw up their hormone levels. We do birth control pills. We do spironolactone for acne. We do all sorts of things to try to help one problem 
but can then worsen other problems. Some breast cancer treatments can really affect the hormones in our body, right? All sorts of things, surgical menopause. And so as we age and get older in perimenopause and menopause, those genitals, which need hormones to fuel their health, lose those hormones. And so like a plant not having water, everything kind of shrivels up. It gets dry. It gets irritated. It gets scratchy. It hurts now to, you don't lubricate as much. It hurts to have sex. People say, oh my gosh, I like am aware of my genitals in a way I never was aware of them before. And the things that nobody uh, correlates with menopause is, oh man, I got urinary frequency and urgency. I get up at night to pee now, or I can't make it through this movie, or I can't do a long drive anymore. And it starts to affect quality of life. I can't wear the yoga pants I used to like. I just had a lady in my office say, I can't put a pool noodle between my legs and do exercises because it hurts too much, right? And so so it can really start to affect both your intimate life, but also just your regular life. I had another patient today that said it hurts with wiping, right? I can't even wipe myself. And so that is what's called genitourinary syndrome of menopause. So the genital and urinary symptoms that happen as we lose hormones in our body. And so you'll hear a lot. I'm sure Dr. Awad talks a lot about systemic or whole body hormone therapy and the pros and cons. And we could have a whole other podcast on that. But the local hormones, the giving back topically to the tissue, what it needs to feel nourished and healthy is pretty much safe for everyone. And I'll make a big statement there. Adding local hormones to the vagina and the bladder are safe for people with a history of breast cancer, safe for people with a history of blood clots, safe for people with a family history of any of those things. It's really, it's safe for your 98-year-old great-grandmother in the nursing home. And I'll be honest, Urinary tract infections, which come with this awful condition, can really hurt people. It can kill people. Many patients go to the ICU needing IV antibiotics because of infections that can happen in the bladder because the tissue is not strong and healthy. I know that was a long-winded answer, but I hope it was helpful. No, I think that's really helpful. Thank you. No, I remember when I, you know, of course, I haven't done hospital medicine in years, but, but it was very common. Little old ladies with a urinary tract infection urosepsis, where their whole body was affected and they weren't awake, they were unconscious because of this infection. So why does this, the vaginal estrogen that we put on locally, how does that help with UTIs? Yeah, what happens is it's actually a pH thing mostly. So again, the tissue needs to be acidic in order to create a healthy microbiome. It's a couple things. So you need the healthy bacteria to grow and the bad bacteria to be suppressed. And Literally, vaginal hormones are the way that those lactobacilli, that those healthy acidic bacteria can really form and, you know, form. And the tissue, uh, estrogen and testosterone actually are, are both really important for to create the thickness of the vaginal tissue, to create lubrication, to create elasticity. We want a wrinkly acidic vagina so it can stretch, so it can, you know, so that, that it can be strong and fight infections. And if sex is something you want, if penetration is something you want to have, can allow for, for those changes to the tissue. So it's really important. Agile hormones can really change the architecture of the whole tissue and allow it to prevent infections. Great. And let's talk a little bit about the sex benefits. So pain, bleeding, you know, all of that. You, you must hear these stories all the time. All the time. So I'm a sex doctor first and foremost. And, and so there are both the urinary symptoms, which I don't care if you have sex or not. And you could be a nun and still suffer with genitourinary syndrome of menopause because you get urinary frequency and urgency and urinary tract infections. 
But certainly if the tissue is dry, if it's irritated, if it gets really thin and friable, we see decreased arousal, decreased orgasm. Gosh, you know, my orgasm used to feel amazing. Now it feels muted or it takes me longer to have an orgasm. Obviously, pain with intercourse is something we see with many, many women suffer and, and just put up with. All of that is terrible for your libido, right? Your interest level. If you're not getting much out of sex and it's painful, why would you want, why would you want to do it, right? So, so all of those are symptoms of this very localized genitourinary syndrome of menopause or GSM, as we call it. So many times a doctor will say, you know, you just need some lubrication because of menopause. That's not going to fix all those things you're talking it's, about, it's, though, right? It, it, it makes me want to tear my hair out, to be honest, because the guidelines, when doctors doctors read and they read the guidelines, it says, oh, okay, you come in with this problem. Let's start with lubricants and what we call moisturizers, which just like you moisturize your face, you can put moisturizer on the vagina. And those are great band-aids. And, and I'm not here to say don't use those things. <laughs> Lubricant is always the answer. It's great. It's wonderful. Moisturizers work well. But they don't fix the problem. They just put a little Band-Aid on the problem. And we have safe, effective, and affordable treatments for our patients to actually fix this problem. So why would you want to put a Band-Aid on something that's not going to fix the problem when we have the solution and none of those products, the, the moisturizers and lubricants, have ever been shown to prevent urinary tract infections, right? And so again, as a urologist, the thing I care about the most is preventing death. And so the way I know I can prevent death is by preventing urinary tract infections. And so I don't want to start this product when you've had 10 urinary tract infections and are in the intensive care unit. I want to start this product when you're 45 and you're starting to have a little urinary frequency, right? Because these products are so safe. They're so effective. I want to prevent it. Just like you're going to start your skincare regimen as early as possible to prevent those wrinkles, right? I I just want women to care as much about preventing uh, vaginal and genital and urinary problems as they do about preventing, you know, face changes. Nice. So in 2024, how do people put this on? What's the vehicle? What, how does it come? It's very cool because I just had a patient in here and she had tried a couple products in the past and she stopped it because nothing was helping her. And I said to her, I said, nobody tries and fails vaginal hormones. You have to find the product. It may not be your only problem, but it is a foundation. You can't fix all the other problems if the foundation is weak. And so you have to start with a healthy foundation, just like you can't put on the makeup without the foundation. I'm not a makeup person, but you can't. You have to start with the foundation. I know that much. So, so the key is we have a handful of products and not every product works for every person. So somebody may say, oh, my doctor gave that to me, but it irritated me or it was too messy and I didn't like it. I get it. But there are other types of products that we can use, which is very cool. As women, we don't often have choices, but here's a great situation where we do have a few choices. So the most affordable option on the market right now is what's called estrogen cream. It's called estradiol. It is a tube. It comes in a tube of cream and you measure out about one gram of this cream and you put it in the vagina every day for two weeks, one gram, and then twice a week till death do you part. One workaround, because creeps can be messy and goopy, is actually to rub, but I tell patients, just like you don't blob on a moisturizer on your face and go walk out the door, you rub it in, just like sunscreen, you rub it in. So I'll tell them, put it in the vagina and then you can rub it in the wall so it absorbs and it doesn't leak out, it's not messy. It's a brilliant workaround. So that's the cream, which you can get for $20 a tube. Mark Cuban's online pharmacy, your doctor can send a prescription. They'll mail it to your house. 
or a good RX coupon at your local pharmacy can usually get it for you for about $20 a tube. Each tube lasts about two to three months. So it's very affordable for people. Right. That's even outside of insurance. Many insurances will cover different products. So there are vaginal estrogen inserts. One is called Vagifem or Uvafem, and they're little tablets that go in the vagina and it's dosed out so you don't have to measure anything. And you put it in the vagina every day for two weeks and then twice a week till death do you part. And again, if your insurance covers it, great. And it can be a really nice option. Sometimes there's other things we have to do if it doesn't fix all of your problems, but it's a really nice foundational product. Then there's a lovely product on the market called Intrarosa, which is vaginal DHEA. If someone could hear me speak, I know I talk really fast, but I said it's estrogen and testosterone that are important for this tissue. Well, DHEA is actually the precursor for both estrogen and testosterone. So by putting a DHEA tablet in the vagina, it actually converts itself and creates a really nice environment um, that adds a little estrogen locally, a little testosterone locally, not enough to go through your whole body to help with your libido or your skin or something like that. But it's a lovely, lovely product. And we have data showing it prevents urinary tract infections as well. There are, is also a ring you can put in that stays in for three months at a time which again is great if you have a patient with dementia or poor dexterity and they can't put something in the vagina. And those are all the local options. There is one pill called Asfina, which you take every night or every day you can take it. And it, again, it's a CIRM, uh, which I don't want to get into the details, so it works very well. But if you have someone with a history of blood clot or something like that, you may want to be a little careful of one of those products, whereas the other products are very, very local. So that, I appreciate you telling us all these different ways because midlife women are probably thinking about themselves, but they also have parents or grandparents. And it gives you an idea of that there are options that you're, if you're thinking, oh, gosh, I can't imagine that with my grandmother. You know, there might be a really easy option with and it can tablet. It, it can save grandma's life. Like this is the key yeah. that like you think it's actually wild, like how many little old ladies die of urinary tract infections and no one's offering them this life saving preventative strategy. Right. And that ring that sounds very easy as well, because it doesn't it's not a daily thing anymore. Right. Or Yeah. So how do we know this is safe? How do we know it's not absorbed? Yeah. So there's a number of studies that have come out and even more recently that shows when you draw someone's blood in menopause, their estrogen is going to be like less than five, you know, is, is sort of the value of estrogen. And sort of a man's estrogen is 25. So is, the, again, a, a low level of estrogen, but it's enough to keep a man's bones healthy and brain and libido healthy. So um, that when you use a vaginal estrogen product, your blood levels of estrogen and testosterone don't increase past the menopausal range, right? It stays in that normal low range. And so there's not a whole body absorption to any measurable degree over time that could increase you know, stroke, heart attacks, blood clots, dementia. There's just no no way. And studies have shown that there is no increase of stroke, blood clots, heart attacks, dementia. We even have studies that show people who use vaginal estrogen live longer from a cardiovascular perspective than those who don't. And I think it's about inflammation, right? If you can decrease inflammation in your body, you're going to live longer. If you're using vaginal hormones, maybe you're still sexually active, which means that you're still active, which means that, again, you can live longer. And so it's safe. There are so many studies. This has been around since the 1970s, and all studies show that it is safe. 
um, the one patient population where we still need more research and that some people have pause is women, even breast cancer patients. There's data to show there's a great study that just came out that showed decreased morta- like decrease mortality when you use a vaginal estrogen in your breast cancer survivor. The one patient population that gives people pause is when you have breast cancer and are on an aromatase inhibitor. When you take an aromatase inhibitor, we're trying to suppress estrogen to every measurable level possible. And so there's worry by adding in a vaginal estrogen product, could you run an increased risk of recurrence? And there's a few studies, a very small, very poorly done studies that show maybe. And so it becomes, if you're having horrible urinary tract infection, it's a, it's kind of a risk benefit that we have because we have data showing no increased risk of mortality, a very strong data that shows no increased risk of mortality in breast cancer. So when I have breast cancer patients and I have lots of them, is we have a really, really good discussion about what are we worried about? What are the risks? What are the benefits? Because if you can't live your life, if you can't put yoga pants on, if you can't be intimate with your partner, if you're getting urinary tract infections so bad, you're getting resistance to antibiotics, we got to have a come to Jesus meeting of like, what are we doing here? What are we afraid of? Because quality of life is really, really important. That's great. So people need to talk this over with their doctor. Never have a doctor just tell you no. Right. You really need to understand it and have what we call shared decision making, because what you want and what your goals are really matters. It's not for me to tell you what is right or wrong, good or bad. Is We have to understand what what are your goals? Yeah. And I'll tell people, too, like I, you know, at menopause time, brought up this discussion with my primary care doctor and she said, I'm afraid of hormones. And I said, OK, end of discussion. I'm, and I went and found someone else who wasn't afraid to talk about these things. So, you know, if a doctor tells you this, you might need another doctor as well. You have to know, there is not one doctor who knows everything, right? I all the time will say, you know what? This isn't my expertise. I need you to see a cardiologist. I need you to see someone who specializes in connective tissue disorders. I need someone for this, that, and the other. And so, unfortunately, we love, doctors love to say, oh, hormones, those are dangerous. You can't have those. That's not acceptable. There is Nobody who can't have it, you know, like this idea of is shared decision making and really understanding the pros, the cons, the risks, the benefits, and understand that your doctor can't possibly know everything just because they're a gynecologist. They don't they were never taught about menopause, which is a nightmare, but the truth. Yeah. So I let's bring up a couple of things. A couple of things you said brought up a couple of questions for me. So this may make your sex life better, but it may only be a piece of it, right? If if things are kind of going downhill with menopause. Can you talk about that a little bit, please? So it's really important that people understand, you know, I love what I do because I I deal with couples, right? As a urologist, I can treat men, I can treat women, I can treat any love triangle that comes into my office. And I love sex because it's so complex. It's so biopsychosocial, right? I have to really get to know you and know your past and your background and how you feel and what's going on to really get to know how I can help, right? And so there is so much biology. Remember we talked about those horny teenagers a moment ago. The horny teenagers are not having deep, meaningful conversations. I promise you that, right? There is a hormonal component to libido, especially in teenagers. And so hormones matter. Dopamine matters. There are biological components to libido, to sex drive. There are hormonal components and blood flow issues to arousal. Orgasm is a fascinating biological topic of a big reflex and a neurological feeling of pleasure. And so it's really fascinating. 
And also, I have to take the the partner into consideration as well, how you were raised thinking about sex, what your goals are. So there's so much that goes into it. It's not just here, take this estrogen and you'll be fine and everything will be better. But you really have to work with someone who's going to get to know you and to be able, I would say it's like tinkering. We got to get it right for you because you are not like your friend and the things that you care about. And, and if I have a patient who comes in and says, I love sex. I love my partner. I've had the best sex life in the world until menopause happened. Well, that is a different benchmark than the person who comes to see me and says, I've never liked sex. I've never been interested in sex. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not bothered by it. Those are two completely different treatment strategies, right? And so right. you have to be, you, you have to work with a doctor who's going to actually get to know you to say, well, maybe we'd be more aggressive in the libido department or, hey, I see you have a lot of trauma in your history. Let's work on the hormonal piece, but also work on the mental health piece. And I've got this great referral for you of this great person who's going to work with you on all of that. So uh, I love being a sexual medicine doctor because I take care of not just your vagina and your clitoris, not just the penis, but the, the really the whole person, which makes my job just, it's just so joyful. And I just want to bring up too, even though we're not going to, this is probably its own, again, podcast episode. But trans people need to know that life transitions are still going to happen for them, right? Transgender people. Transgender people, yes. You know, it's it's absolutely fascinating because much of, I actually believe strongly that a lot of our data in hormone therapy and the safety of hormones and the risks and the benefits are so absolutely coming out of the trans research because this idea of people are willing to um, be more aggressive when it comes to gender affirming care than they are to midlife women, if you will, or midlife men who are feeling not themselves. And so I think a lot of this really is all gender affirming care. Mm -hmm. And so being aggressive to say, oh, you don't feel like you, you're not sleeping, you have hot flashes, night sweats, low libido, osteoporosis, you, you, you've got brain fog and joint pain and you feel awful. Well, why don't we add back the hormones that you're not making anymore and give you back you, right? You can feel like right. you. So, you know, again, transgender patients, it's really what parts do you have? What parts do you want? And how do we want them all to drive? Right. And, and I do think transgender research really is at its infancy in our ability to understand function. We're still trying to figure out form, right? Do you have the body parts that you want? Do you feel like the person that you want to feel like? But then how can we get your sexual health to thrive? What does that look like for you? And it's pretty individualized, right? Is this idea of how is the body changing? Because um, it, it's everybody needs estrogen and testosterone to some degree. It's just in different ratios. Testosterone is not a man hormone and estrogen a female hormone. Remember, men have estrogen and testosterone and women have estrogen and testosterone. And so how do we get it right for each person um, in a way that feels good to them? And transgender people will still have some changes at midlife that may need some changes, right? Well, it depends, right? It totally depends. So Depending some people on. have their ovaries removed. Some people have a uterus removed. And so it really becomes getting, again, understanding your medical history, absolutely, it, it, and, and what it's doing and what you want it to do. And that's why, again, you need a team because usually it's not going to be, not all transgender doctors are sexual medicine doctors. So you really have to sometimes dip a toe outside of your normal team to say, okay, I actually need some help on the libido side or I need some help on the pain side. Great. Thank you. Now, if people are already on hormone replacement therapy, they have a patch and a pill, 
Does vaginal estrogen play into this at all? Huge. It's a really important question, and thank you for asking it. So I would say, I don't have a number for you, but I would argue the majority of patients on hormone therapy are not being screened or checked for genital and urinary symptoms. And so if you say, oh, I'm on hormones, but you're still having frequency, urgency, pain with sex, urinary tract infections, dryness, vaginal hormones are very important to your hormonal therapy. And so we have to think of it as sort of the the package of hormone therapy should always be something locally, something systemically, protecting your uterus with progesterone if you are on whole body estrogen. Now, when you're on just local estrogen, you do not need progesterone. And, and then that testosterone component for the whole body becomes important as well and is really not talked about enough. Great. Thank you so much. I just appreciate everything that you that you said today, because people need to hear it and, and not everybody knows it. It's kind of one of those, a basic thing that that not enough people know about, right? You know, what I've learned recently is that it's not about saying new things to old people, but it's about saying old things to new people, because this is so basic. This is so simple, and yet no one's doing it, and not enough people have access to the information, and people are dying because of it. And so, again, vaginal hormones have been around since the 1970s, and we have a marketing problem. We are not marketing it correctly. We are not offering it like, you know, we have. this should be Viagra for women. I, I mean that very seriously. What does Viagra do? It increases arousal. It improves, right, arousal's erection. So it improves erection. It improves sexual health for men. It's a blockbuster. Vaginal estrogen or DHEA improves arousal, improves orgasm, improves lubrication, helps with sexual function, and also prevents urinary tract infection. You're talking about a product that improves sex, the level of Viagra, and prevents UTIs, which cost our healthcare system millions and billions of dollars and cost the lives of many, many people. And it's not a blockbuster. It's not in the hands of every person who needs it. This, my friends, is a marketing problem. This is a misogyny problem. This is a huge problem. And that's why we speak so loudly, because what I'm saying is not complex. It's not difficult. It's not something that you didn't have to in your fingertips in the 90s, right, when you were in, in practice and in medical school. And so why do we suck at this so bad? And it's a marketing problem, which is why I try to market loudly and we'll talk to anybody who will listen. I so much appreciate that about you. Thank you so much for being here today. No, thank Dr. you for Rubin. having me. Yeah. And Dr. Rubin is live in practice in the D.C. area. So... Tell us a little bit about Yes, that. I started my own practice two years ago. We're officially two years old yesterday. I am building my dream practice of where you come in. We spend time with you. In-person visit is an hour and a half. You get a full exam with where you get to really ed get educated on how your body works. And we get to know you and figure out what your goals are. And we deal with a lot of complex patients uh, who come from all over the world. I'm building a team of doctors who are so knowledgeable and invested in this. I'm tr going to train the next generation generation of people who do this. And so we're really having a good time. I would love for people to follow along on social media at Dr. Rachel Rubin. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And our website, we have a great newsletter that goes out at rachelrubinmd.com. Great. Congratulations on the two years in the practice. It's such a such an important thing. Thank you so much. And thanks for being here. Hi there. This is Dr. Heather Awad. Even though I'm a family doctor who spent decades coaching patients about healthy food, 
I know what it's like to struggle with midlife weight gain. About eight years ago, that struggle consumed my thoughts. I know what it's like to wake up and be frustrated that my clothes don't fit and I'm uncomfortable with my body and to lay down at night, beating myself up for my lack of willpower. I tried eating less, grazing, and special diets that didn't help at all. The worst was when I worked so hard with one of those app-based programs for six months, lost weight, and then bounced back to an even higher number. I worried I was going to be stuck at an unhealthy weight for the rest of my life. So I know how painful it can be, and I know what it's like to be on the other side of it. To be back down and have a life where I wake up and know I can eat food I like. I go to bed at night thinking about what I'm excited about for the next day because I'm not worrying about what I ate that was wrong. The best part is I never worry about being that old weight again. And I want this kind of life for everyone. That's why I do the work that I do. Because I know how painful it can be when you watch that number on the scale rise at midlife and beyond. And I have dedicated myself to helping lots of women discover how their bodies work so they can lose weight and eat food that they love. Life is too short to spend it with constant mind chatter about food. I'd be honored to support you or someone you care about. If you go to my website, heatherawadmd.com or vibrant-md.com, you can book a call with me where I will give you real results, the next best steps for you going forward. And if you're thinking that you want the accountability of working with a coach as your guide, please reach out and I would be so pleased to work with you. Thank you.